car with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Car with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop bottles. Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship brain. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball I am the bird man. This is one night stand. What up, Night fans? It's Wednesday, October 17th, and UCF just completed the third largest comeback in school history. Whoop. What a game, 31-30, UCF over Memphis. I just got back from Memphis, and I just now am starting to feel like a regular human being again. That was a crazy weekend, and I'm here, of course, uh, joined with Money Moo. What's up, guys? Money Moo. What um, a comeback. It's just an absolutely incredible victory for UCF Knights. I know half of you probably threw in the towel at halftime just reading a few things off of Twitter and Facebook. I didn't throw anything in. I never gave up. I told my wife, I said, I still believe. I asked her if she believed. She said yes. And from there on out, it was all nights in the second half. You know, we as fans never gave up and the team definitely never gave up. I can't believe it. Still, I just it seemed, it was like night and day, first and second half, uh, especially on defense. I mean, people are saying the rain helped us. Well, the rain didn't help them stop us. So I mean, we're both playing in the same exact rain. I don't really understand that argument. Maybe it slowed the the running backs down, but didn't slow ours down. I mean, we were definitely able to move the ball a lot better. Yeah, maybe let's go ahead and talk about like the first half. Definitely the defense, man. Oh, it was it was a struggle, but you know what? These teams don't just, like, bowl over everyone like we've been doing for the past five well, games. Not know? only that, I mean, we knew they were going to run the ball on us. Like, we talked about it all week. I know the coaches talked about it all week. They got the best running back in the nation. I think he's, like, the fourth Heisman favorite right now, averaging over 10 yards per carry. The dude's good. And, you know, one other thing, too, is the home field advantage in Memphis is real. I was sitting there in the front row, so I'm not even, like, in the middle of the crowd. I'm in the front Half of my body is surrounded by field, not fans. It was louder than, I mean, no offense, any game I remember at the bounce house. I think the acoustics in there are just different. It was really freaking loud. And, I mean, no excuses for jumping off sides, but that definitely was a factor in some of those penalties that we gave up uh, on those critical third downs. Yeah, 12 penalties for 103 yards. Kind of a sloppy game. Like you said, I counted multiple false start and offsides penalties. And it just seemed that the offsides penalties came when Memphis was on a third and long. It was third and long, and we stopped them, too. They weren't dead ball fouls. They let us continue, stopped them on third down, and then we gave them another chance five yards closer to the first down marker and gave it up both times. I think it was the same guy both times, too, from what I remember. It ended up being that they got, you know, a shorter third down and they were able to convert because their freaking running back averages a first down every single carry. Yep, every time he touches the ball. Yeah, and then besides that, you know, we moved the ball a little on offense. We got held to some field goals. Uh, had a really nice icing by the Memphis coach that gave Matty oh, awesome. another uh, another chance at a good kick, and he nailed it. He got the bad one out of his system, still perfect on the year, and he broke the all-time UCF scoring record previously held by Sean Moffitt. Uh, shout out to my boy, but congratulations, Matty Ice, and he's been nothing but lived up to his full nickname this season and uh, was really clutch for us yesterday because that field goal before the half ended up kind of being the difference in the game. Yeah, Mike Norvell, the coach in Memphis, had a very late 
icing of the kicker. The first field goal attempt by Matty Wright actually doinked off the goalpost. Gung! There, and you could just see it in his eyes that he he was just, he really wanted a second chance at that. And I'm glad that he got it because I knew right when he got his second chance, I said, he's going to drill this right down the middle. Oh, definitely. See what I did there? Definitely. <laughs> right down the middle. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Uh, second time that questionable or late timeout call has affected a field goal for us in the last two games. And speaking of that, God, I feel almost feel bad for Memphis fans. I mean, we just ripped their heart out twice. And if it couldn't get worse, we had more at stake last year, obviously. But this one, I mean, they thought they, they crushed our perfect season, you know, upset the team that everyone kind of hates and came into their house. And just, you know, the second half was just another story. Yeah, I know. Even I remember last year in the conference championship game, we were down 10 points in the third quarter. Yep. You know, and if I was a Memphis fan, I, I'd be feeling pretty great. And, yeah. to, and to have it ripped away, they had a game. Like they had that. a they had a game winning field goal. They had two game winning field goal attempts, and then even got the ball back at the end. They also could have won this game too, but we'll get to that later. So halftime adjustments. I mean, I don't know. You know, I think maybe it was some rain slowing them down. Maybe it was Randy Shannon making some adjustments. You know, we're not in there, so we don't know. Maybe it was Coach Hype. Maybe it was the captains getting everyone riled up. But we looked a lot better in the second half. I mean, when you go from giving up 30 points to giving up zero, obviously a bunch of things changed and got better. I noticed we were getting a lot more uh, penetration on the D-line. And, uh, you know, obviously the offense was clicking a a little better too. Some of those passes on third down, I think there was one to Kalubi Alley on third and 11 in the pouring rain. And it's like, I can't believe the throw was on target, and I can't believe he caught it. But, I mean, that's how good those two guys are. There was probably about 20 plays of the game that I wanted to hand out. But good thing you touched on that one because that was on the go-ahead drive, touchdown drive. It was 3rd and 11 on our own 37. You know, that could have swayed the game. Big time. That might have been Kalubiali's Heisman moment, I'd say. Kalubiali catching a bullet across the middle for Mackenzie Milton. First down for 24 yards. Um, you know, I the, here's another play that, that I go back to. I actually looked on ESPN that in the third quarter uh, with five minutes and 32 seconds left. I think this is when I, I pretty much threw in the towel. Oh, almost. Well, so you did. Whoa, well, almost. Hey, hey, almost. Hey, hey. almost. Well, man, I think we just broke the microphone with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was five minutes and 32 seconds left was – Memphis had the ball. They were up 30-17, to 17, and they had an eight-yard run play for a first down. ESPN, according to ESPN's win probability, Memphis had a 93.8% chance of winning the game at that point. How did they calculate that? Like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> but So, yeah, at that point in time, we only had a 6.2% chance of winning. But, but So, what ha- they didn't kick a field goal then, right? Or what happened? I think they punted, honestly. That is a point where the uh, the rain did help us out because you can't kick anything more than like a 40-yard field goal, I feel like, in those sloppy conditions. But, I mean, I'd have to say clearly the play that sticks out is that fourth and one from our own 29, you know, I completely missed it. And I was sitting on our 30-yard line. I didn't notice anything happen until Taj ran by and everyone started yelling. And I was confused because I thought I thought we were in punt formation. I just wasn't paying attention. You don't you don't. It didn't even cross my mind to go for it. We were so far in our own territory there. And then I mean the gutsy play call, obviously the pancake by uh, Tristan Hill, and then a great Tristan run by Miley Hill. <laughs> 
Coming and, in like a wrecking ball. And then, uh, you know, obviously a great run by Taj. And I think Kalubs had a really nice kickout block on that run, too. Obviously a huge momentum changer, but it took a full team effort from every single person out there to, to make that comeback and to stop Memphis from scoring any points. Because if they did, we didn't win because I, we didn't have much left in us. You know, even on that, I think one of the final drives from Memphis, they uh, they actually scored a touchdown and we got not a lucky holding call because it was holding, but I mean, those calls are 50-50. I've seen worse things not get called, and I've seen things that weren't even penalties get called in that game. You know, it's just tough. It's tough to see everything going on, but in the end of the day, we squeaked it out, and it's a nice dub. Yeah, how about that last Memphis drive? 28 seconds left with the false start on the Memphis offensive lineman. Automatic 10-second runoff. That was huge. Because they called a timeout. And I want to say they, they didn't have a timeout because of that fourth down play that we went for it on. They had to use one of them, I believe. It was such a blur at that point be just because there wasn't any time between the plays. The clock was running. Everyone's going crazy. I couldn't see from where I was. It was freezing cold. It was like 50 degrees and absolutely pouring. All I remember is that they threw the ball, and I was like, crap, it's inbounds. And I'm like doing that thing where you like look up to the clock real quick, back at the field, up at the clock, back at the field, trying not to miss anything. And I'm like, they're not going to get this playoff. And then the uh, the clock expired, and I was just like, that just happened. And uh, the Memphis fans, in disbelief, it reminded me of the Peach Bowl at Auburn. A little bit different way that it ended, but same amount of shock between them in terms of, you know, a fan base thinking they had a game won and didn't in the end. Let's talk a little bit, though. A lot of shakeups around the college football landscape. Really think the only thing that didn't get changed was our ranking. I know we've talked a lot about that on the internet, but let's go through some of the losses ahead of us and then talk about, I guess, how we feel about the uh, change in rankings. Yeah, so number five, Notre Dame survives against Pittsburgh, who we demolished 45-14. More on that later. So they only won by five points. And they were down most of the game, too. Yeah. And actually, one of the announcers towards the end was saying, well, you know, this Pitt team here, they tend to give ranked teams trouble, giving them, you know, an excuse, or Notre Dame an excuse. But, you know, when we boot Pitt out, it was uh, didn't count, apparently. Yeah, more on that later, too. And then who else so lost no, in front of us? Number six, West Virginia goes down to unranked Iowa State. This was a money move pick. Iowa State plus six and a half. And I gave you the possible money line. Possible money. The If you had balls, take the money line. So I hope you did. I did not. Number seven, Washington loses on the final play in overtime to Oregon. And number eight, Penn State lost to Sparty. As, what are they ranked, like 23 or something like that? Uh, yeah, they were. I think they're up a couple now. But So, yeah, and then, obviously, quality loss alert. <laughs> number two, Georgia loses to number 13, LSU. Didn't just lose. Gets blown out by 20 points. The game wasn't ever close. And what they move down? Five spots? Yeah, I think so. And then LSU jumped us. But, of course, you know, well, that's it just qu- happens now. It's a quality win, I guess. One thing that's dumb, though, Georgia has lost to the only ranked team they play, which is LSU. But they haven't beat anyone good. And that's what happens with these teams. And I know they were in the national championship last year. And obviously that has a little to do with rankings. But Georgia and UCF have beat the same amount of ranked teams. That's why everyone's pissed about this. But whatever, you know. I mean, I'm mad too, but the only thing that matters is winning. What about Oklahoma jumping us on their bye week? 
Because we didn't have a quality uh, They're just that much better th- than us this week. But Oklahoma went to overtime with Army. They don't get penalized for that at all. They stayed at number seven in the rankings after that. We pull out a close one against Memphis. So call those equal, and we get jumped by the team that almost lost to Army. Whatever. That's why the rankings are stupid, and no other sport really goes by them. They exist in other sports, but, you know... <laughs> At the end of the day, it, it the wins and losses matter more than some person's opinion, especially some of these idiot writers that are out there. But that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, it just look. I was just as mad as everyone else was when the rankings come out. I knew we were gonna get jumped by a couple people. I thought maybe you know since four of the top ten teams lost, it, maybe we'd be eight. You know, I figured at least nine. I mean. But after, you know, after I went crazy and said pretty much like every curse word in the book, you know, (laughs) I had to go to Twitter first to see what everyone else had to say. Yep. And everyone was mad as hell, you know, just like me, except for one person. Who's that one person was? I I think I have an idea. The Godfather. Luke. Oh. (laughs) Danny White. I was going to say Luke Del Rio. Not Luke Del Rio. (laughs) I thought you were going with the sarcastic take. Yes. Our athletic director, (laughs) our fearless leader. You know, Danny's keeping a positive attitude on all this. We're just getting started here. We're building a top 25 program here, you know, and not just a, oh, oh, wow, you know, we got in the top 25. Look at that. You know, how it used to be when we were in school. Right. Like at the end of the season, you know, and we're going to get there. You know, just three years ago, we were 0 and 12. You yeah. Know, let that sink in. It's We have a very, very short memory. We've been spoiled as a fan base. And I get caught up in it too, but some of these people on the Facebook group, come on, man, calling for Randy Shannon's head at halftime? By halftime. Even if we didn't come back, even if we lost by the final score ended up being like 42 to 17, you don't fire Randy Shannon because of that. It's one game. We've won 19 games in a row. Yeah. I mean, our players dug deep. An incredible performance from both sides of the ball. Balls. Straight balls with yeah. the coaching staff going yeah. forward on that fourth down in the second half. Yeah. And guess what? We won. The end. We won. I know. Winning cures everything, dude. I know. I mean, can you imagine if we lost that game? I oh. could understand, like, it's it's one loss. People... We're going to lose eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Maybe not this season, but eventually we are going I to lose. I hope we don't, but honestly, if we dropped a game, and I think our schedule... I don't know if we play anybody harder than Memphis would be at home, but if we drop a game, I'm not going to be shocked. That's football. We've just gotten so friggin' used to... I mean, geez, even in Frost's first year, we had pretty much the same team as we did the second year. We lost to some really bad teams. Temple by one point. Yeah, I mean... We gave up like a a 14 or 21 point lead to Houston. Yeah. You know, people forget... So just we got blown it. out by Arkansas State. Yeah, oh yeah, the worst one there. Classic. But I mean, but seriously though, this is an incredible streak, and it, we've said this almost every podcast. But I keep pinching myself because I can't believe it's true. But I mean, this is the best time in UCF football history for the players, the coaches, the fans, the students. You know, the latest bowl projections have us in the Fiesta Bowl. I think against hey. Oklahoma or Texas. If we went out. And play one of those teams, and we smoke them. We are gonna. If it's a Big Twelve team, we will smoke. I'm gonna them. laugh my ass off. Yeah, because be like, now what, Luke Del Rio? We don't need the stupid ESPN Invitational Trophy to prove it. Exactly. 
to prove that we are the best. Nope, we don't. And uh, I don't know. I mean, we, will we be sitting at the big boy table then? After our third NY6 bowl win against teams that were supposed to blow us out, you know we're going to be a big underdog again. Yeah, they Shout won't out be to motivated. my bookie. <laughs> they won't be motivated. Anyway. All right. Let's move Sorry. on. Uh, that was a little bit of a, a rant from yeah, Money That's good, man. That's what we're here for. Well, what happened in the Power Six? So first we had an early scare in the Power Six update early on in the week. Oh, with- man. I was watching that at uh, on Beale Street in Memphis, and I'm like, oh, here it goes. USF pulling a USF. But so for some reason, well, we all know the reason, but I was rooting for USF. I watched the whole second half, barely pulled out a miracle win, one point against Tulsa. It was the last second field goal, right? They move up to number 21 in the rankings. So they go up from, they go up two spots. Right. And Cincinnati, who is on a bye week, this doesn't make sense either, jumps ahead of USF to number 20. Quality bye is what we call I it. I guess not. That, hey, there you go. We haven't had our bye week yet, yeah. so we should move up. Yeah, that ain't happening. Comes. That ain't happening, but I'll take it. And Houston is now in the others receiving votes category after beating East Carolina. So that could possibly set up uh, three consecutive games to end the season versus ranked opponents for UCF, right? That is correct. This week, the biggest game is going to be Cincinnati against Temple, both in the Eastern Division in the American Conference. Zero losses. So there's actually, our division's wide open. I mean, we think we're, you know, doing so great. Two other undefeated teams, three other teams with zero conference losses. I mean, the season's pretty much just started, you know? We got to keep winning. Got to keep winning. All right. And then, what do you think about the game this week? You know, ECU, longtime conference rival, starting a new quarterback this week, but he was a three-star recruit, and, you know, we don't have any tape on him, really. I don't know if they can dig out the old high school tapes or what. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a distraction. You know, he might go out there for the first series. I don't know. Maybe there are other starting quarterbacks hurt or something, but now we really don't know who to prepare for, but we just got to keep our, play our game, you know, keep doing what we're doing. And I think we'll come out with a victory. And, you know, ECU, although they haven't been that good, you know, this year they start off the season, they lost to some FCS team. I don't know. North Carolina who. A&T. I don't even know what the A&T stands for. Well, but A&M is agricultural and manufacturing? Mechanical. Mechanical. Agricultural and mechanical. So A&T is agnic- I think. <laughs> Ag- agricultural <laughs> and uh, technical or something. <laughs> something. Anyway, they lost to a bad team, although they should have won that game. They had a bunch of turnovers, but nonetheless, they're not that good. But, you know, this game, another away game against another really passionate fan base. Uh, ECU fans, they show up to the games even when their team's not good. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, the last time that they came to UCF to play a game was a couple years ago when I went. I was very surprised at how many ECU fans were down there. That little, like, pie-shaped section where we shove the uh, opposing team in like the northeast end zone, I remember it was all yellow, and normally it's only like half, and we end up using half the tickets. Anyway, the game will be at uh, ESPN2, another primetime game, another game on ESPN, and I don't know if you guys saw the ratings, the TV ratings came out from last week, and we like broke some kind of record for the 330 time slot on ABC. People want to see us. I mean, people, first off, people want to see offense. Second off, People want to see what everybody's talking about. And right now, 
whether you love us or hate us, everyone is talking about UCF. And they want to they want to either see us win or you know see us play. Or a lot of people were watching, tuning in to try and see us lose, especially probably when they heard we were losing bad in the second half. But they uh, they got a pretty good game if they tuned in. And you know that's another thing. This goes back to why I think we're going to get college game day, even maybe if Cincinnati comes in with one loss, just because we are the talk of the nation right now. If you watch game day last weekend, they brought us up like once every hour pretty much, and it wasn't even because there was a bunch of signs in the background. We just keep coming up, you know, like you said, good or bad. And I think ESPN knows this, even though they're not our biggest fan, they'll recognize this, and they want to get game day to Orlando. I, I, you know, I, I was kind of saying it jokingly almost as like wishful thinking a couple weeks ago, but I really think the stars are aligned for a college game day at Memory Mall, November 17th. Book it. You know, I disagree. I think they kind of are our biggest fans because ESPN thrives off one thing. You know what it is? Controversy. That's true. Because controversy gets people talking. Yeah. Then you're on their website. Then you want to see, you know, what... Why else does ESPN Radio have like seven different shows? They all talk about exactly the same thing. Boom, 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 right after another. It's every single person's take on, you know, Whatever. what's what's going on. Yeah, and I agree. Everyone has an opinion on UCF, whether or or not we should be in the college football playoff or even in the discussion. Everyone has an opinion. And it's going if we keep winning, it's just going to be more and more and more talk every week. This last week was by far the most we've heard about us due to us being number 10, four teams ahead of us losing, and us staying the same in the rankings, and then us squeaking out a close win against Memphis. There was enough UCF for people to talk for days and days about us, and if we keep winning, we're going to keep making noise, and I think you're right. They're going to recognize that and, and put us on. All right, now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. It's Money Moves Picks of the Week. Last week, we were 1-2. and two. A little bit better than the week before, which we were 0-3. Sorry, <laughs> didn't want to remind you. but uh, So we were 1-2 last week. Our one winner was Iowa State plus 6.5. I told you guys to take the money line, and I hope you did because they were an outright winner. Plus 6.5. Unranked team taking down the number six team West Virginia the couple of losers that we had first one was Miami third time this year right. have Wolf. we learned our lesson with I Miami sorry yeah. to cut you off but yeah. we did never good. again not going to do it no matter how but how good it looks so and the other one was Northwestern I gave it out at minus six and a half and it actually came all the way down to minus three Probs, I think you did get get in at minus three. I yeah, I I on game day I was like fiending for some action before the Memphis game. I got in the minus three, pretty good sized bet. You know, Northwestern's down ten with like seven minutes left, and I'm like, oh crap, walking into the game, a little tipsy, and then uh, you know they tied it, force overtime, and poor Frosty. Eh, actually, I don't feel that bad. Yeah, ninety nine yard touchdown drive, uh, <laughs> Northwestern had to tie it up. Then Nebraska misses a field goal in overtime, and Northwestern seals a deal there. But I'll eat that one because Nebraska still lost, so it was worth every penny. Hey, props. Knock, knock. Who's there? Owen. Owen who? Owen Six. Hey, Owen. I thought you were going to say Owen Wilson. No. <laughs> Take that, Frosty. <laughs> so, anyway, nah, it's all good. Whatever. You know, Owen Six. 
So, All right, so what does that make you overall? 14 and 10 overall for the pick. Still above 500. Still probably better than Chris the Bear Felica uh, from ESPN. But you know what? He gave us a shout-out there in he, on Twitter the other day. Yeah, we made his like, short list for teams that you know could potentially get college game day. So I yeah. like you, Bear. So we love you, Bear. All right, we have three picks for you. The first pick this week, we're going to take NC State plus 17 at Clemson. You know, NC State undefeated, Clemson as well. I think this game's going to go down kind of like the Georgia-LSU game did last week. You know, In we, terms of what? You know, we knew Georgia was good. We really weren't sure how good because they haven't played anyone. I mean, they're the reigning, you know, national champion runner-ups, but like you said, they haven't played anyone. And look what happened. They get smoked by an LSU team who is ranked, but they haven't beat anyone that really beat anyone. The one team they played that had beat anyone was Florida, and they lost to them. Georgia hadn't beat anyone. They beat number eight Miami at the beginning of the year, but Miami sucks too. So, you know. So it's the same with Clemson. You know, they struggled with Syracuse, struggled with Texas A&M. So here comes undefeated NC State. Now, NC State really hasn't played anyone either. So The ACC sucks. This is going to be a true test of what, you know, the ACCs or these two teams are going to look like. I see this as being a bit of a slower-paced game, lower scoring, so that's why I love to get those 17 points. Give me NC State all day. I think Clemson wins 38-28, but NC State still covers. Yeah, I, I kind of see the teams as equal, but uh, just in terms of, I hate this word, their resume or whatever. But, I mean, seriously, they both haven't beat anyone, so who knows what can happen. It's football. All right, so this next one, please, don't bash me on Twitter for this pick. <laughs> I hope it's, it's not horrible. USF? It, no, no. Okay. It, it, well, it's not a horrible pick. It's just I can't believe I'm – there's value in the pick. Trust me. There I just can't be. believe I'm saying this is this school. But anyway, I'm going to take UConn. What? Yeah, I said it. I'm going to take – I'm going to bet money on UConn. UConn's lost every game by like 40 points. You realize that, right? It hasn't been by, by 40 points. All right, most of them. I'm going to take UConn at USF, plus 32.5 points. Look, I know UConn, they're basically a Division II football team. We talked earlier in the year when they played UCF that they're starting like nine freshmen on defense, uh, and there's no way in hell that they're going to win this game, hopefully. But, you know, you look at USF's schedule, and they don't really blow anyone out, you know. They beat Illinois, you know, by six, beat East Carolina by seven, beat Tulsa by one. They only beat Elon by 20 points. It was 34-14. They definitely played down to their opponents. Right. So 32 and a half is just, it's just way too many to be laying out there. Yeah, and, but it's UConn. Ah, but they can score. They put up 56 points against Powerhouse Rhode Island. Oh, so it's possible. Rivalry game there in the Northeast. <laughs> I really think USF is going to sleepwalk through this game. You know, maybe a couple touchdowns near the end. I think the final score is going to be 41-13, but UConn will cover. I mean, it's even though it's at USF, it's not like they have a home field advantage or anything. So I can see that. Exactly. See that. Now, the one I feel really good about this week is I'm going to take Houston minus 12.5 against Navy. Houston's quarterback, De'Eric King, is quietly having a really good season. 20 touchdowns, three picks, and their offense is scoring like 48 points a game. We could be playing them in the American Conference Championship game, which I think is pretty much 
done I, on the other side. I, I yeah, mean, it's like the opposite miracle. of our. It's like the opposite of our division. There's really no one that's getting in the way of Houston. It seems like. Yeah. So, which if we played them, I think you know the score could be like 77-76 or something. A repeat of last year's <laughs> conference championship scoring wise. On the other side of the ball, Navy, they've really been having trouble scoring. They put up a lousy seven points against Air Force in a loss, and they just won't be able to keep up with Houston's offense. They got Ed Oliver, who's been a beast all season for them, potential top five pick in this year's NFL draft. Easy, maybe even like top two. I think Houston wins this easy 49-20. All right, cool. So let's recap the picks. So we're going with NC State plus 17 against Clemson. Taking UConn plus 32.5 versus USF and take Houston minus 12.5 versus Navy. Let's get, get that, that money. money. All right. Let's move on to my NFL locks of the week. Recapping last week, I went one and two. Started off hot. Eagles minus three versus the Giants on Thursday night. They blew them out. So that, that was, was a great good. pick, by the way. Thank you. I remember, like, I was kind of you were a little skeptical. You, ah, the Giants, though, they come out of nowhere. But yeah, the Eagles are for real. Everyone's uh, saying Eli's done. That's it. It's over. Yeah, and then, then it just kind of all went downhill from there. I took the Bears when we recorded. It was minus three at the Dolphins. They ruled Tannehill out, and the line moved to minus seven in favor of the Bears. The Bears were actually up for most of the game, and then just kind of couldn't close it. Dolphins forced overtime and ended up winning, so that was an L. And then the Jags, I don't want to get too in this. They lost by 37 at Dallas. Yeah, what the heck happened there, man? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think the Jags, I mean, I like the Jags, but I think they're done. I I mean, you couldn't have watched that game and been like, oh, yeah, Dallas is back. (laughs) All their fans are saying that, but that's about it. I mean, the Jags are supposed to have the best defense. They keep getting me negative points in fantasy, which I know – no one's here about my fantasy team, yeah. but it's really annoying when your team puts negative points. So yeah, one and two last week puts me at five, four, and one on the season. That's kind of over five hundred, I think. Yeah, barely. <laughs> but we've got two winners for you this week. First one, the Saints plus two and a half at Baltimore. Now, before I get into this pick, let's talk about Traquan Smith because the Saints last played on Monday night which was after we had recorded our show for the week. Traquan, big coming out party for him, was filling in for the injured Ted Ginn Jr., caught Drew Brees' NFL record-breaking touchdown for pass yards. So it was kind of overlooked that he broke that record, but then he stole kind of the spotlight a little bit and caught his second touchdown on the very next drive. So congratulations, Traquan. Really, really Awesome to see you out there, and I mean, we all knew you'd do well, but it's cool for kind of the whole world to get to see you. Yeah, that was awesome. Actually, is he still available in our league? Oh! Uh, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quickly, furiously typing, trying to find him. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they're. They were on a bye week this week, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Saints plus two and a half at the Ravens, coming off a bye week. You know, in Baltimore, but I don't think Baltimore's that good. You know, the Saints, they just got Ingram back. They got the two-headed monster with him and Kamara in their backfield. Drew Brees going to get his 500 touchdown. It's going to be to Traquan Smith. I predicted it last week, and I'm doubling down on that. I think the Saints win easy. I don't think the Ravens can stop the Saints. So take the Saints plus two and a half. What do you think, Moo? Yeah, I'll always fade the Ravens. 
Yeah, they're just all day every they're day. They're not good. They got Ravens everyone's suck. you know sloppy seconds at wide receiver. Yeah, they have everyone's garbage second string wide receivers. I mean, they, John Brown, like Ooh. who they who else they got? Like Willie Sneed, they, Crabtree. They had Wallace. Uh, yeah, no, it really. None is. of that matters when you have the non elite Joe Flacco at quarterback. <laughs> They, no, they also have no run game. I don't even know how they win games. But. Yeah, the way they play, they play in a mediocre division. All right, so Saints plus two and a half at the Ravens, and then I'm taking the Chiefs minus six back at home versus the Bengals. Chiefs lost a shootout of a game in New England on Sunday night. Awesome game. It was 43-40. Ton of offense, but. You know, I think no one can stop the Chiefs' offense. Just the Patriots pretty much have scored more, but the Bengals aren't going to be able to keep up with that. And the Bengals don't have a coach that, you know, can scheme up their defense to slow them down like Belichick could, I think, last week. Yeah, I disagree. I, I think the Bengals are a good team. But then again, they've been a good team for the last decade, you well, know, 9-7, 10-6. Marvin Lewis, he got fired like halfway through last season, and then they came back and gave him a contract extension. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, the yeah. perennial mediocre Bengals, which mediocre in the NFL is good in a league with so much turnover in the coaching position. They're just consistently mediocre, which makes them good, but not better than the Chiefs this year. So yeah. I'm saying take the Chiefs minus six against the Bengals at home. I think they win by two touchdowns. Andy Dalton on the road in Arrowhead. Don't want to be risking any money with no. that. Anyway, so what else do we got left? I guess a couple other nights in the NFL. Mike Hughes, man, tore his ACL. Horrible, um, horrible you know, break. Definitely keeping you in our in our thoughts, man. Uh, wish you a speedy, speedy recovery, uh, and hope you come back even faster and stronger than before. I don't know. The ACL injuries are usually like a full year, so does they're that a mean, long recovery, be but they're for next year. It yeah, he he should be, and they are a longer recovery, but they're also an injury that. Usually athletes can make a complete full recovery without any setbacks and usually sometimes end up being better. Our thoughts go out to him. And then Jordan Akins had another reception. Not putting up the craziest stats, but he's had a he's had a catch in all six of his NFL games so far, so that's pretty neat. So our knights are doing pretty well in the NFL. All right, let's move on. We got a little bit of a new segment. We're going to call it the Fab Five. If you got a better name, feel free to tweet it to us, but we're going to call it the Fab Five right now. We are going to count down our top five of a certain subject. This week's subject, since I just got back from Memphis, we figured we'd count down our top five in-conference away games to travel to. So anyone that we might play in conference games that will come up you know, every couple years and we can plan a fun trip to. I'll go first, and I'm going to start off with Memphis, actually, and might be a little bit of a recency bias here, but I had a great time there, and especially after, you know, hearing some of the stuff people were saying on message boards, I really had low expectations, and they got blown out of the water. Memphis is awesome. The people were really friendly. The food was great. Central Barbecue, shout out to Mama Moo for the recommendation on that. Uh, Central Barbecue was awesome. Casinos were fun. I mean, you know, my hotel wasn't in the nicest area little sketchy with the cashier smoking behind bulletproof gas at the gas station but whatever it was a it was an all right place and you know the the stadium was cool it was a great atmosphere the fans were, were really passionate but respectful and 
I just thought it was an all-around good place. So I would definitely, you know, recommend going back there next time we play. Yeah, I'm jealous, man. I really wish I was able to make the trip. Unfortunately, I couldn't. Definitely if we play in the Liberty Bowl, the bowl game, or if we play Memphis away game again. You know, I've been to Memphis before, but it was a while ago. I really think it would be a cool trip to go on. Yeah, a lot of cool bars there on Beale Street, too, and I just had a good time. One thing I don't recommend, though, don't travel to away games more than a day before. I went to the Peach Bowl like three days early, thinking there's a ton to do in Atlanta. You just end up getting tired. You don't get that much sleep. Same thing kind of happened for Memphis. I mean, I was there at the game, and even if it wasn't soggy and cold, I was tired. Don't take a mu- that Thursday flight for a Saturday game, man. When am I going to learn? I think I've done this before. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Uh, so what do you got number four move for away game, in-conference away game destinations? Number four, I'm going to go with maybe not a popular pick, but I, I like the city as a whole. I'm going with USF. You know, obviously not the area around their campus, but or around their stadium. Yeah, besides but the strip clubs. I'm just talking. I'm just talking about Tampa in general. You know, I kind of like Tampa. It's a lot closer for me to drive to Tampa than it is to Orlando. So this game coming up on Black Friday, you know, it actually benefits me <laughs> being yeah. uh, in Tampa. And not only that, the bars and you know South Howard area, lots of fun. By the way, get your tickets. Prices are going up. Use SeatGeek promo code UCF Problems, all one word. Get twenty dollars off your SeatGeek purchase. You really can't beat that. Good plug there, props. Good yes. plug. Oh, first ever sponsor on our show. Shout out to SeatGeek. But yeah, promo code UCF Problems. The best thing about Tampa, it's pretty much a home game. Uh, so I look forward to seeing a lot of black and gold in that stadium on November twenty third. All right, for number three, I've got SMU. Southern Methodist in Dallas. Never been there, but Dallas is just a really cool place. You know, you go to SMU game, uh, hit up Jerry's World for a little Cowboys action. You know, can't go wrong. It's Dallas. Yeah, it's kind of a mysterious place because we we both travel a lot. We've been, you know, a lot of different places around the world, but this is one place we both have never been to. So, But I've only heard good things. Yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas or better or something like that. So we're going to put that as uh, number three. Easy flights in and out from Florida. Yeah, correct. You know, it's a it's a huge city, so it, it should be pretty cheap to to get there. And an SMU home game ticket, you know, can't set you back more than what twenty bucks or something. I brought front I bought front row tickets for last year. I didn't end up going, but they were like ten bucks or something like that front row. So there you can't go. go wrong. Number two on our in conference away game destinations, I'm gonna go with Temple. You know, Philadelphia, I was just there a couple years ago. Have you ever been to Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, I went once. Um, I was working as a promo model for Budweiser's Made in America concert. Wait, you were a model? Well, I mean, I was handing out beer samples, but that was the official job title. Oh, okay. So, um, Yeah, Philly was cool. You know, we went, I saw Big Ben. Um, what Big Ben? You mean <laughs> the Liberty Bell? <laughs> the Liberty Bell, whatever. Uh, yeah. Big ben, okay, one is a bell, <laughs> and it's in Philly. The okay. other... Big Ben is a clock tower yeah, in London. They both got short words that start with B-E at the end, and they're somewhere high. So, anyway, Philly is a cool Actually, city. The Liberty though. Bell's on the ground right now. Okay. <laughs> I know nothing about history. Anyway, Philly is a cool place to visit the weekend I was there. At least when I took a picture next to it, it was on the ground. So. Oh, and I, don't know. Right, I have no idea what I'm talking about then. But they put, uh, you know, the Philly cheesesteak, you know, the real ones. They put oh, cheese, for sure. Cheese whiz, man. So good. 
I think we tried, you know, when me and my wife went, we tried like three or four different cheesesteak places all in one day. We're like, Pats, Pete's, yeah. poops. I don't know. Pulse. I don't know. So so many of them. But we're like, oh, you know, we'll just go to like as many as we can. We'll just we'll just order one or like a half of one and just, you know, try so many of them. Well, we only got to like three and we were already like stuffed yeah, beyond belief. The freaking cheesesteaks are huge. So. I bet the hotel room smelled good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, so that's Philly. And then our number one in-conference away game destination, Tulane, obviously. Gotta be. The big easy. The big easy. There's a reason that, you know, this is where bachelor and bachelorette parties are always going to. Stay away from Bourbon Street. It's a big shithole, but New Orleans is awesome. The food there is great. The culture is great. The tailgating at Tulane was actually decent for being a school that averages – the least fans in all of it. They do have football. their own stadium now, though. They do have their own stadium. Kind of small, yeah. but yeah. at like least a, they have one. It's like a high school. Oh, <laughs> at least they have one. So, yeah, to recap, number one, Tulane. Number two, Temple. Number three, SMU. Number four, USF. And number five, Memphis. That's our Fab Five for the week. All right, let's move on to our final segment. We're going to take a couple questions from listeners. So usually we like go over the questions for a little bit. I don't know. Do you think we should just go rapid fire like Let's hot just go, takes? Yeah, rapid fire. All right. Okay. I, I haven't heard any of these, haven't seen any of these before. No I'm, rehearsal. I'm taking it. Let's go. First question from Mike, MD Knight, 2016. What would be better for recruiting purposes? Making this the college football playoff, no matter the outcome, we're going to Fiesta or Peach Bowl and destroying Florida. Oh, absolutely. The the second one, destroying Florida in the Peach Bowl. Look, who cares about I've said this a thousand times on this podcast. Who cares about the college football playoff right now? The ESPN Invitational. The only thing that matters is winning. And winning when we win like that in a crazy game on ABC, you know, when we play on ESPN and we keep winning, 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 you know, 19 wins in a row on campus stadium, you know, Knights yep. in the NFL. This, these are all things you, you don't. They're all byproducts of winning, right? Yeah. UCF is definitely the place that you need to be playing. You know, we might not get the freaking five star recruits. You know, let them go ahead and sit on the bench forever at at Alabama or yeah. You know, if you want playing time and you want to actually put in the man hours and the hard work and the determination it takes to get on the football field, like all the rest of the players do right now. Come on down to UCF. And we've got the nicest campus in the nation. It's not some old, renovated a million times school that's 150 years old like uh, some of our other in-state rivals. All right, this one's from Jason Quintana. If we keep winning, when do Well, if we keep winning, Jason, come on. uh, If we keep winning, when do you think we'll start to hear about Power 5 teams wanting Hypel? You mean when we keep winning? All right, so his buyout, I think, for the first two years is huge. It's like $10 million. But I guarantee you these talking heads will start talking about it when the coaching carousel starts to spin here in a few weeks, especially during the offseason. But I don't think anyone's going to pay his huge buyout to take him off our hands. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a regular topic of discussion starting next season, especially after we go undefeated this year. Next question here is from... Austin Warren, does UCF need a 100K seat stadium? A 100K seat stadium. Uh, we no. can barely fill up 45. No offense, no. we've got a great fan base. but Yeah, we have a great fan base, but half of the problem is college football attendance is down 
you know, across the board. We only have like 300 alumni, 300,000 alumni too. Yeah, so. it, it would make absolutely no sense. Yeah. We don't need a bigger stadium. Although I think they said somewhere that it is a the stadium we have now is able to be expanded. We but can add a whole 300 level, but we need you know I would say five to seven years of like consecutive sellouts well, or something. Crazy we've got like it. That. We've got to be in a P5 conference first because we can barely get 40k fans to go to these games like SMU and Temple. They're just not marquee, big name opponents. Especially we're not going to get that traveling crowd to see him now. If we're in the Big 12. You can bet your ass that we'll fill up 100K if we were playing Texas or Oklahoma. Right. So, but it just until we get in those that big conference, it ain't happening. Well, so we just we just don't need it right now. Yeah. So let's uh, get off that. All right. So, final question. Final question. This is from UCF fan four five one. Would you rather see us play a one loss USF or one loss Cincinnati, assuming the other is undefeated? Which. Actually, one of them will have one loss because they play each other. I'm going all in for college game day. I want to see a one-loss USF. Uh, as much as it makes it better to to play them when they have, you know, when they're undefeated and, and ruin their chances at a first undefeated season, I'm all in on having college game day and the exposure, and I'm I'm gonna get on college game day, and yeah, it's gonna be yeah, awesome. Yeah, I would much rather have that too. I mean, for some, it just seems to me that like USF is just not interested in football at all. Like I used to back in the day, you know, when we were going to school, you know, I had a bunch of friends, you know, that were at USF. They always talk trash about football, and they're undefeated just like we are. And I yeah. all I hear is crickets. Like they don't even care. So I, to me, I'd rather have the game day experience and all that. I know I, I'll get there Friday yeah. night. I'll sleep out in Memory Mall, but I am getting on that <laughs> television screen. I mean, even their coach and the media there. I mean, their local paper didn't even travel to their last two away games or something like that. Just feel like everyone's checked out, and because the media didn't travel, that's a reflection of the demand from the uh, you know the locals in the area. And clearly, the demand for USF football just isn't there, which kind of sucks. I I, I don't it like does. that they it don't. Does. Ha- it does. It makes the rivalry less good. I want them to be just as energetic as we are it, it, because it makes beating them so much better. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. If I haven't really heard of that many people traveling up to the ECU game, but. If you are going, let us know how it is. They might end up on the Fab Five the next time we do this <laughs> list next year. If you haven't yet this year, make sure and check out one of the alumni watch parties in your area. Uh, I know we have some all the way across the country, you know, California, Texas, Denver, yep. wherever. You know, so get out there and support your Knights with other Knights fans. And if you're in Orlando, I don't know where. There's the- a bunch. There's like a young alumni watch party. I know people go to basement or saddle up. Anyway, we will talk to you guys next week. Go Knights. Charge on.
name of Wild 